talking movies. We're talking Project Power, written by Madison Tomlin, directed by Henry Jost and Ariel Schumann, starring Jamie Foxx, Justin Gordon-Levitt, and Dominic Fishback. Released on Netflix on August 14th, 2020. So, Chris, why don't you go call Simon and get him to verify who I am? Tell him the major's here. Really? The major. That's, that, that's, your, that's your big quote? I like, in the real world, the power goes to where it always goes, to the people that already have it. All right. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about Project Power, which is one of the new releases from Netflix. Came out August 4th, 2020, which was not that long ago. So Scott, what do you think? This is my wheelhouse, man. Like, I like movies like this, right? Like, I enjoyed it. I grew up on superheroes and powers ever since I was a kid. Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Jesus. I grew up on Whoa, did you say Jesus? Like, Jesus is a superhero movie? That's interesting, yeah. He is a superhero. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I cut you off. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Like in terms of story wise, I thought there were some things that lagged and could have been done. But for for me, what I thought with this being Madison's Tomlin's, from what I can research, first spec script that he sold, and now he's writing the new Batman movie as well. Brought on, you know, it was good on him. Like. I, yeah, yeah. Let's actually. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna jump in there on that before we do a brief kind of like summary of the film. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like when you look him up, he hadn't sold a lot of other stuff. Netflix actually got in a bidding war for this script. It was originally supposed to be called Power. Um, I mean, so anytime you have like a major streaming service or street, sorry, streaming services, you know just getting in there and spending probably obscene amounts of money to try and get your script. That's always a good thing. And yeah, you're right. He's going to be co-writing on the new Batman. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, you know, is there anything else you want to talk about the author and his writing or anything like that? Like in terms of story wise? Yeah. 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 Like the one thing we'll get it out of the way. Now, the one thing that I thought could have been done a little better, um, was technically Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character's journey. Like, his story, his plot. Like, his story arc? Yeah, like, I thought that was kind of redundant and not really needed, to be honest. It just seemed more of they got Jordan Gordon-Levitt to play this character, so he probably had more lines and stuff than actually in the movie, right? So, I I would agree with you. I also think that... uh, Levitt's acting in this was atrocious. Uh, It's probably some of the worst acting I've seen him do. And I've seen quite a few of his films. Um, He's actually in uh, one of my favorite films, 500 Days of Summer, which is a really interesting indie film. It's actually on my list of like kind of perfect films because of its use of score and casting and choreography and a bunch of other reasons. So I've seen him really bring it. And remember, this isn't also, he's done action stuff before. He was in Looper. He had a, he did a fantastic job with Looper with Bruce Willis. So I found his performances really witty and I'm going to really pick this thing apart for the script. I thought that the dialogue was again, atrocious and boring. 
Um, I actually fell asleep watching it the first time for this podcast. And then I tried to watch it again after like, so I finished the film and then I tried to watch it again just to like refresh it and like an hour into, and I think it's only a hundred or an hour and 53 minutes. Yeah. And I halfway through, I was like, Oh wait, I can go do something else now. I've seen this film. Like it, it, it did not, it did not really pull me. But that said, and I'm, this is going to go to my point on uh, jo- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is the other acting, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the actors specifically, was, was fantastic. Like, there was some really great acting. But as an actor, if the script doesn't really go anywhere and the dialogue's not really there, there's only so much. So I think he failed. He had a bad script, and he failed as an actor with that bad script. I, I just, I found his acting performance subpar and i know he can do better well i'm gonna have to disagree with you here like i did enjoy like him per per se i enjoyed i just think his story arc could have been better right like i liked him i liked him in the movie like in terms of the writing and the dialogue like i said if this is the sky's first script and you know yeah, no, it's no, gonna but, get no, better. no, it's his, it's his, uh, yeah, he wrote it on, on spec, right? It got picked up. It, it doesn't mean that it went from there to the screen. Okay. It right. would have been no, script no, polished and everything. So he doesn't get a pass because he's like, oh, I sold my first spec script. It's like, okay, they bought it. And then the production house is going to get involved and they're going to doctor that thing up. So the author gets a pass on like the, the, the shitty dialogue. So, okay, keep going. Right. Like I thought the the commentary on oh my god uh robin's story arc yeah right like okay why are you played by dominic uh fishback yes so why are you selling drugs if you're a good kid i still want to figure out how if i'm not mistaken the original drug dealer newt um is related to her. If they're he, cousins. That's played by Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, I thought it was we're, Machine we're gonna, Gun. We're, we're gonna we're gonna really work through all of that stuff. But, um, uh, but how they're related? Okay, right? wait. wait said, I'm gonna I'm gonna because I want to I want to introduce the cast and I want I want to have a conversation about all this this okay. stuff right now and each one of these actors individually. But everything you're saying does not change the fact that uh, Levitt got a script and he got dialogue and he performed it poorly. Like, I don't think he did though. Like his, his impersonations of the dirty Harry character when he was doing that, I thought was funny and well done. So, so the two times in the film and then, but he gets a pass on all his other dialogue. But I think in terms of the dialogue and his acting, like, if you're going to go spoilers, like when he's talking to us. Yeah. Captain, yes. This has spoilers. Remember yeah. we always has, have spoilers. So there you but, go. Okay. So when he's talking to his captain after, you know, did you take a pill today? Which in reality could have fucking been, yes, I took my fucking Flintstone vitamin today, but so they never specific, specifically referenced power. Like, did you take the drug instead of, did you take a pill? But that scene, I thought, was the worst scene in the movie, but I, everything else was all right with him. Like I liked his whole, like when she finds out he's bulletproof by taking the pill, whatever animal that is, that's now maybe an armadillo or something like that. I don't know. Was it an armadillo? Was it a rhino? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to say one more thing about his acting in that dialogue. And then I'm going to give a quick summary of the film because we were kind of already getting into some of the nuances of this film or the specifics. Um, but what you're talking about is the like the written dialogue, right? 
I'm talking about the, and I agree, the written dialogue is garbage and there's plot holes and stuff like that. I'm just saying the way he delivered it. So maybe he was not directed very well, but then why is everybody else? Like I said, both Jamie Foxx and Dominic Fishback have amazing performances, right? So they have these great performances and you're on set. You're also a very capable actor. I I wouldn't say he's A-list, but he's been in some big stuff and he's got these like wooden flat performances. He's like, Right on top of his lines, like da 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 da. There's no, there's no pacing to it. It's. I just was like, eh, boring. And I'm like, I've seen better from you, so you need to bring it next time. Um, <laughs> but that's it. Okay. So if you're tuning in because you haven't seen this film, uh, I guess the basic summary would be: there's a pill that if you take it for five minutes, it gives you the superpower of an animal. I guess. That would be it. Yeah, it would, I guess, unlocks your animal that gives you... Yeah, 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 because every person is different. So, yes. So, technically, just, like, think of the plot of Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and what the lizard was trying to do, make everybody into animals so they can be their super selves, and now just put it in the real world. There's no Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. So these, so as Scott said, that's what this pill will give you, and it'll give it to you for five minutes. And they're being given away for free because the company that's designing them needs a way to see if their project works by going and, and able to go around like federal, you know, guidelines and stuff like that. But are they going around? Okay, if we're going spoilers, are they going around federal guidelines though? From my understanding, the government was a part of this. They yeah, are the but, guys in but the there's, suits. There's the government like national defense and the defense sorry the defense department and if you're in the u.s and like the fda they they don't necessarily supersede each other because they're both working for the government right okay so it's going around the fda because yeah yeah yeah. well they're trying to do clinic they're basically doing clinical trials covertly and on the street and then basically so that's like the kind of overarching plot structure and then so the film stars jamie fox dominique fishback Machine Gun Kelly, who's actually is, I guess his real name is uh, Colson? Colson Baker. Colson Baker, yep. And actually, and Rodrigo Santro, which if you watch the movie 300, he plays Xerxes. Yes. Which I was like, oh, that's so crazy. That's such an interesting role to, and and he was also in Love Actually or whatever, right? So, um, so Jamie Foxx's character plays an ex-soldier named Art. He's looking for his daughter. Uh, Dominique Fishback plays Robin, uh, a, like a dealer, I guess, of this drug that's basically trying to just make enough money to take care of her mom. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly plays another dealer. He's kind of got a mi- he's got a minor role and um, is he's in new. The film. Sorry, he's new. He's new. That's right. He's new. Yeah, and he uh, <laughs> he's out, out of the film fairly quickly. And Rodrigo Sancho plays basically the the big. Uh, drug corporation rep, basically. So no, he's more the middleman. Yeah, because I guess the woman, the is, Duchess. Yeah, I believe her name was called. She would be the head person, right? Yeah. When they're taught, when closer to the end, when he gets captured and he's talking to her, like he knows her, she knows him. Like when Jamie Fox gets captured, he like they know the daughter's name by heart, obviously, and the flashback sequence she was there yeah, yeah when yeah. he first took the pill so yeah and then so like i mean like most action films it's like 
you got these pills, you got this thing happening. Jamie Foxx is trying to save his daughter and then it plays out. And then I'm, you know, you could probably guess how it ends. Um, I thought Jamie Foxx did a fantastic job. I mean, yes. considering that the, the, my already, my take on the script, he brought, he brought that a level star actor quality, like his, his ability to take nothing and turn it into something. Uh, this film, I could only imagine if you didn't have like an actor of Jamie, Jamie Foxx's caliber on board. Yeah. Like the one line he said, he said it twice, but when he's both after Newt and Robin and he starts talking to them and he's like calmly, securely, he was like, listen to my voice. Am I lying? Like, I loved his delivery. I love that line. Right. Cause you're like, even me, I'm like, he ain't fucking lying. Just listen to him. <laughs> right? But yeah, I thought he did like out of everybody, he was the best. And for me, this was my first time um, being introduced to Tom, uh, Dominic Fishback. And I thought she was a scene stealer as well. Right. I really enjoyed her. So she's actually, I, I think she's going to be a, an up and comer to watch. I mean, her performance was amazing. Her ability to like, you know, do freestyle. Well, I mean, it wouldn't have been freestyle, but I mean, just her, her delivery of all those hip hop lines. Um, this film did one, one thing I will say about this film uh, of obviously the special effects are amazing. And I'll let you probably touch on that more. Um, it, it did a really good job of using conventional hip hop, uh, as its score. Yeah. Like it was, it was fantastic. They, they picked, they picked great music and it drove the story forward. And I think it, uh, it really worked with this film because it gave it that kind of like gritty, gritty vibe that it maybe wouldn't have had if it just used like standard scoring. Yeah, no, I agree. And from my understanding as well, like all the music that's on there, it's all original. It's just dubbed off of old tracks. Like if you listen to the words, everything's about the drug and the power and yeah, yeah, yeah. everything like that, right? But it, you're thinking in your head, it's old 90s, 80s hip hop beats, right? So yeah, I yeah, enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, they did a great job. And she did a great job like um, portraying that kind of character, like a hip hop kind of character. Um, she, the reason I think she's going to be a bit of an up and comer too. So this performance was fantastic, but she's had, she did the night come out, comes out, which premiered at Sundance. So that's not bad. And then the hate you give was at TIFF. And then I knew I had recognized her. So there's an HBO show called the deuce, which takes place in New York in like the seventies into the eighties with Franco, right? With Franco. And she actually plays Darlene, this young prostitute who like basically like, you know, starts out as a hooker and then gets herself out of it and, you know, ends up with a normal life. And I mean, she plays some really gritty scenes in the deuce. And so you can see that maturity as an actor and that ability, right? And she's still a very, very, very young actor. So, I mean, she'll definitely be someone to watch going forward. Yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite Jamie Foxx movie or character? Movie for Jamie Foxx? Like for me, the top movie would be Ray. Like, mm. I love Ray, right? Well, I mean, uh, he got the Academy Award for that, I believe. Yeah. Like, I love Ray. I'm trying to think in terms of... Like, what about... It what wasn't about, Robin Hood. No, it wasn't Robin Hood. So, <laughs> I like, obviously, Django. He did amazing in Django. Yeah. But what about Collateral, man? With Tom Cruise? I fell asleep. I never finished it. 
Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. The guy who literally just fucking said, I fell asleep through this movie is yeah, giving me but this, shit. This movie is basically... Okay. So <laughs> anybody who, who who wants to hear my opinion on this, this is my short answer. This is your standard stuff blows up, stuff flies around, stuff jumps off of stuff, and dialogue is horrible, and there's no real like development. Movie ends. That's it. So Collateral well, is like sick, has that crazy like Paul Oakenfold soundtrack. We're definitely gonna we're gonna have a big conversation about this after the show. Okay, but yeah, like shut the fuck up. Like if you can fall asleep, I can fall asleep, and I fall asleep at most Michael Mann movies, with the exception of Heat. I fall asleep. I fell asleep in Miami Vice. Uh, Miami Vice was not a good example of a film. It was kind of crap. But man, Heat Heat is fantastic. Yeah. um, In terms of Jamie Foxx. Just Mercy, I watched that earlier this year, and I thought he did an amazing job there. I've heard he does a good job in that. Uh, Law Abiding Citizen with Gerald Butler. Yeah, that's that's another great like tight, tight, tight action film. Yeah, I like him in his dramatic roles, though. Like he he's got range. Like again, there's a reason he's an A list actor, and I think you you see that quality in this film, regardless of the the film itself and the script itself. Yeah, like in terms of the film. Like when we were talking about Dominic, like her social commentary, like technically she's selling drugs because her mom has diabetes. Yeah. And she needs a surgery. The expensive kind. Yes. Now, I don't know if you've seen it. Most likely you haven't. But there's a little movie that also came out somewhat recently. Code 8. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, Stephen Amell and the other Amell um, that they produced it. Uh, technically same scenario. They're they're more, they're more drama based code eight in which it's more about the social commentary that it's only the poor people that get the power. Oh, okay. And same thing. They have to do crimes to, you know, his character as well had to do crimes because his mom was also super sick. Oh, okay. 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 I mean, it's, it's a, it's a trope, right? And well, it's first off, it's real people I, and I don't want to get too much into like politics and social commentary actually but you know I mean people who are poor sometimes do crime because they're poor so I don't want to I don't want to brush it off as a trope but yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a it's a literary device basically it's right? literally the whole you know uh the road to hell is paved through good intention absolutely right? like and you know what and again I think that that is part of this film that I did like was they made some social commentary there's that that one line about how the government, you know, didn't take care of New, New Orleans, Orleans during Katrina. You know, she talks about having to, you know, basically pay for surgery because you don't have universal health care. Like, those are good things. Um, the casting, when you look at the overarching cast, it's, you know, a fairly balanced, if not even primarily American black cast. And I mean, 60% of New Orleans is black American. So that's good. Like it represented that city and that environment correctly. You know, everybody from the the police chief down to like the background characters to the, what are they at? A church's chicken. Like it, that, the, the, and that's the other thing. I think the locations were really well done as well. There were some really interesting like locations and there was some interesting like establishing shot cinematography, but it just got boring for me. It was just like the same stuff. You know what I mean? So this is directed by, how do you say this name? Henry, Henry Just. He's a German director. And Ariel Schumann. Schumann? Schumann. Schumann? Schumann. So 
we it's apologize if we butchered your name. Not like you're going to hear this, but yeah, yeah, we yeah. apologize. Hey, they, you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so they directed the, they co-directed the Par- Paranormal Activity 3 and 4, Catfish, uh, Virus, and Nerve. And what's interesting about Virus, Nerve, and of course this film, is they worked with Machine Gun Kelly on those films as well. Virus? Isn't that the Jamie Lee Curtis? Uh, well, there's another one. I mean, it's, I think it's a fairly common film, you know, it's a little independent film that they did roughly around the same time as nerve. Okay. Yeah. 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 Never heard of it. So this, I'm just going to segue off to something. So while I was doing my research for this and I, this is going to make me sound like someone who probably shouldn't have a film podcast because I don't know about movies. So paranormal activity, those, those movies were made for like $25 million and they made like over 800 and some odd million dollars. Wait, no, no, you got to go back down. What do you mean? What Wasn't it 25,000? No, 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 no. 25 million for all the films in the series. Oh, combined. Yeah. Okay, and okay. I they thought you were talking over about... $800 million. I was yeah, just like... Bloomhouse, man. That's I could not believe it. It was just like, those are insane, insane numbers, right? So, and even actually uh, this Nerve film that he did... I think it it had a very low production value as well. And again, it made like four times whatever its production budget was. So, I mean, the, these guys are definitely like money makers, you know what I mean, as directors. I mean, it, obviously production and a bunch of other people play a part in that. But seems like they can bring a film in under budget and make a film that makes a lot of money. Well, if I'm not like these... Are these all Bloomhouse? Like, I know Paranormal is Bloomhouse, but that's whole Jason Bloom's strategy is like, you, you ain't spending- Get it cheap more. and make yeah, it cheap you, and sell it for a gazillion dollars. No, exactly. Because you know, box office, even if it's made for a million or whatever, your opening weekend, usually you're going to get more, right? And like, to talk about it too, because like, I think- what hurt this for me, what hurt this movie? Like I didn't really hear about it, had nothing to do about it until release, right? When it came out. Now, is this the future of cinema? Like with COVID-19 and everything like that, I know we talked about this somewhat, but like for me, I like having the trailers released. I like the hype. I like watching it, especially Blockbuster. And I think this, if it was released in theaters, this would have been an August movie, which would have been mid budget to make it up probably would have grossed. So do you think, you think this would have been kind of like middle of the pack kind of film? This would have been the a, theater? I think it would have been a late August release. Yeah. yeah. This which is, is not your summer, but you're not going to put this in your summer block, block buster catalog. Yeah. It's the, the trail off, right? Like low, but like medium budget movie. What do you mean? It may be open Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Right around now, right around now probably would have been when it, if it was theater wise when it would release, but now Netflix and Apple and prime, right? Like they just throw like for me and consider it old school. Like I don't like this just throwing out movies. Well, right? isn't it kind of feel like direct to video kind of movies, even though they're like, they're not the, those would be low budget films, but it's that same thing. It's just like, Oh, you're at the video shop and it's like, Oh, what is this film? Part, yeah, this part, would this would have been of some film that was good. You know what I mean? Yeah, this would have been like old school Friday nights at Blockbuster, just walking by and be like, "Fuck, Jamie Fox, Jordan Gordon Levitt." I haven't heard about this movie. Just let me grab it. Right? Yeah, you read the back of it. Yeah, you're like fucking superheroes pills, but yeah, like 
And I think like in a COVID world, as much as they're going to try to open up eventually all around the world theaters, I think it's going to start going away. I think it's going to be a lot of releases like this. Like look at what Disney Plus is doing with Mulan, right? You got to pay 34 bucks extra on top of your membership if you want to watch it first, right? So uh, we were talking about this just before we started the podcast, just for reference. How long's Tenant been open in the theater? I think it like well, technically, depending it been on a when week? this drops, it it was released in Europe last week, which would have been um, last weekend, which would have been and, August. Yeah. Anyway, and you and it opens North America in theaters this weekend, which would have been. And what August. were the numbers you were saying before we started recording? Fifty-five million in Europe. And what did it cost roughly? I think it's like $250 million budget. Yeah. So do you think, and again, then we'll get back to this film. Do you think that we might be also seeing the end of the big, big, big budget films? Because you just don't, like, how, do you just think of what Tenant would have made in 2018 or 2019 summer? You know what I mean? Before COVID, before getting like stalled out and having the release date pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Same thing as we talked about with Greyhound. Yeah. I think, I, how how do I put this? I think Netflix in general ruined it because their whole strategy, which works, is you look at Stranger Things, you look at it's tight, tight budgets made low and released with quality, right? Sure, but, but COVID definitely changed yes. the whole game, right? Yeah. It just means that, Netflix was probably better positioned because everybody has to move to that model and now, and they're already that front runner. But I just mean in general, do you think we're going to still see films that cost $200 million to make? We're always going to see that. I think we will. Like if you, if you just use Disney as a, as a studio, right? You got your Marvels, you got your Star Wars, right? You got like they they paid a shit ton of money. Obviously, all those movies that have been released so far have paid back everything in full. All those movies though were released pre-COVID. Yeah. Going think, forward, do you can 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 they make their money back? I think Mulan is going to be the test. But Mulan, yeah, I yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to be the test. How many people are going to sign up and pay the Disney Plus premium access? Like now? you said, like who who wants to see it now. today? Yeah, instead of waiting four months or five months when it will just release probably normally on Disney Plus, right? But in me, for me, I think it's going to be studios that are just going to have their own over-the-top apps, right? Like you see the hype with um, Jack, Zack Snyder's Justice League releasing next year. Now it's going to be four hours. Now it's going to be... Um, and released in episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're almost turning them into like series. So maybe the way we consume film is going to change. Yeah, it's going to, for sure. And I mean, it'll be definitely something that we have to watch and see what happens. Because this budget was uh, 8.5 million, roughly. Um, 85 million? 85 million. Would I say 8.5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would would have been great for them. (laughs) Um, And I mean, we don't know what they paid for it. So I, I tried to find those numbers. So, I mean, if anybody finds them, you know, hit us up on Twitter or send us an email unless, unless you've got them there. Scott. No, I don't like, and that's the thing that with the over the top that we were talking about before with Greyhound, like you don't know how much 
these movies actually make. Yeah, because when they say budget, that's their production budget. Yeah. When sometimes it'll include marketing, but, but these don't the have original costs. Yeah. Um. But it was it was it streamed number one on on Netflix for two weeks, and then in its third week it dropped down to two. I don't know where it's sitting right now. Rotten Tomatoes definitely did not enjoy it. Neither the audience or the critics. It's got a sixty percent as of today on Rotten Tomatoes and a forty nine percent from the audience, which I thought I I thought it was going to be the other way, right? I thought the critics were going to do like I did. They're going to pick it apart for this and that and this and that. And people were going to be like, oh, popcorn movie, right? Shit gets blown up. Things flying around. People taking drugs, turning into animals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they don't turn into animals. It's just okay, if you yes, haven't they don't, they have, it. They have powers like, like animals. animals. Yes. But yeah, 49% of people on Rotten Tomatoes did not enjoy this film. You know what that means? There's going to be a motherfucking sequel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely it's definitely set up for a sequel, don't you think? Well, I heard there is... I'm, I'm going to have to rewatch it because on my way here, um, I was doing some reaches. I, there was a mid credit scene somewhere. I didn't see it. But all I know is at the end, it's her writing down some rhymes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently there's a mid credit scene. If that's the scene, then I don't know. But from what I heard, there is a I was a probably mid- sleeping, so. Ooh, shut the fuck up. But- and because Netflix often, because Netflix doesn't always show you, you have to, you know, make it show you the credits. They start running and then it's like, bang, yeah, but it jumps to one, something else. Yeah, if I remember, the, this one started going through the credits and I thought it was weird. And then I hit the back to get out of it. But now I guess there was a mid credit scene. But the last thing I saw was her writing down like paper, like writing down raps because she believed in her power to be a rapper. Thanks to Jamie Foxx. So you're uh, you're 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 into popcorn style movies. Yes, I enjoyed this. So you enjoyed it. Would you recommend it? I would. I would recommend it. If you had to put it in between films, what would like if you wanted a context, like a reference would you say it's kind of like this, kind of like that? In yeah, like this? if you liked Code 8, um, I recommend this. If you liked Limitless with Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro. 100%. 100%. This is right up your alley. Instead of being super smart, you know, you're going to turn into the human torch. And you know <laughs> what? Sorry, just on Limitless, that's another film that, because one of the critic, the big kind of sticking points the critics had on this film, and I would say it would apply to Limitless as well, is that it's like great concepts didn't get developed properly. And I felt the same way with Limitless, not to, not to digress too much, but I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And I was like, uh, and it's De Niro phoning it in again. But I think in terms of great premise, you, you still got to remember, like it's, a, it's not a series, right? Like it's, it's a movie. So we had two hours, we're in, we're out. Do, so, so do you think Netflix owns this baby? Do you think they turn this into a series? No. I think it's going to be sequels, right? It's just going to be two it, um, two hours in, two hours out, two hours in, two hours out. Because I think in terms of series, like to lock down Jamie Foxx, to lock down Joseph. No, no. Gordon but Lamb. what you could do is, you know, the drug gets out into the community, and then you just you don't have the big actors anymore. You have it just kind of on the street or something like that. Remember when they made a Limitless TV show without yeah, Bradley yeah, Cooper? Yeah, fair enough. Touche. <laughs> you win. You win. It lasted one season. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He showed up at the end. <laughs> um, so I think I've already said my piece on this. I did not enjoy this film. I would 
probably only recommend this to my daughter because she likes this type of like she likes marvel movies and stuff like that i know our producer rod he likes action stuff he didn't mind it you know so i think if you like drama or you like really serious stuff this is not going to be the movie for you i i like i said i could barely watch it once go ahead go ahead to disagree man like even if you like drama i think there's enough in terms of the background with this. No, the, with no, the commentary. No, no, no. This movie was that, fucking garbage. It was fucking it garbage. It like if, if you're someone who sits down and likes like Schindler's List or like I said or Goodfellas or something like that, your prop. This movie is gonna be just like it's two hours of the same shit, right? But know. anyway, that's my take. Like, yeah, for me. Okay, you you didn't like it, so obviously you're fucking wrong. But um, <laughs> Stand for me, for like, listen, if you if you liked Taken, if you liked Limitless, if you like superhero movies, this is for you because technically it's if the you plot, like plotless films, you're it, gonna it's love the plot this of Taken, a father searching for his daughter that was taken <laughs> with a pill that's going to give you powers, <laughs> like Viagra, and. You would know more than me. (laughs) (laughs) And technically, you know, corrupt police and the government's against you, right? It has, like, technically, I think this guy, for a first script, just like, I like this, 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 and just trying to mumble it together. But it, it, again, premise is good. Story can work somewhere. But I think the actors themselves do enough that yes i did like this fucking movie and you should watch it hey and i don't i don't think uh having your first script is a is a cop-out either though because remember a little guy named james cameron remember what he did with his like first scripts so i mean it's this is not in the james cameron kind of league right so it's the fucking same look at james cameron uh, don't look at james cameron now look at james cameron then yeah man like terminator a fucking robot from the future comes back to kill you and and you know what i think this goes back to i think james cameron can write good dialogue he writes good scripts this is a good concept they should have got they should have got better script writers on board Mm, I'm, i'm gonna have to agree to disagree no, I'm going to have to agree that, you know, you're fucking wrong. But <laughs> is, there, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we sign off here? <laughs> no, that's our rant for the day. If you like what you heard, and even if you didn't, please subscribe to our podcast and we'll try to get a little bit better. If you want to express your opinions and let us know how Chris is fucking wrong, we can be reached on Twitter at how'd you like that one at Gmail. Or email at how'd you like that movie at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Production by Rod Shaver, Bader Monkey Productions. 